This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is set greater than he who sent him. And so that's the picture that Jesus gives us. No servant is greater than his master. The servant will get his due reward and Moses will get his reward for all that he has done in the name of God, for God. And he's going to get his reward. But the glory and honor goes to the master of the house. And in the house of God, the glory and honor goes to Jesus Christ. Think back, if you can, on a birthday party you had as a young child. Yeah, people were there because it was your fourth birthday, but when they left, they didn't thank you, they thanked your parents. Why? Because they are the master of the house in this situation. Today, Pastor Eddie's going to be talking about a very similar concept on a much larger scale. Jesus Christ is the master of our lives. Therefore, he deserves all the glory and honor. We are simply vessels that he chose to use for his kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Joshua chapter 24 as he continues his message, The Supremacy of Christ. You remember Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 when Joshua said, me and my house shall serve the Lord. He's not saying me and the shingles, me and the window and the refrigerator are going to serve the Lord. He's talking about his household. He's talking about the family. He's talking about, you know, the, the marriage, the children. And so the house He's talking about the house of God. And so it is not the structure. The same here. The house of God is here. Why? Because you're here. (laughs) When you leave after, hopefully you have a meal or two, when you leave, this is empty. The only thing that's here is probably the church mouse. (laughs) That's about it. There's nothing else. God is not here. You don't need to come to a place because you remember Paul told the church and wrote to the church of Corinth regarding the temple. He says, God does not dwell in temples made by hands. God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. This is material stuff. This would fade. This would fall. This would crumble. He dwells in us. He dwells among us, with us. We are the church. It's the people, not the structure. I know some people have so much worship, and they worship things and idols and pulpits. And Are you kidding me? This is all going to burn. God doesn't care about these things. He came to die for people, not furniture, not buildings. You are the people. You are the house of God. And so... Here he's pointing, and he point, he's trying to give him the picture that even though Moses, Moses was faithful, and God entrusted him with the house of God, but it's his house. Moses was faithful in leading the children of Israel, the children of Israel, that's his house. And that's what he's trying to give a picture here. And the phrase the writer of Hebrew is writing here, he takes it from Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. 
in all my house. Drop down to verse 5. Look at verse 5 in our text. In verse 5 it says, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. He was faithful. However, however, as faithful as Moses was, Jesus, the apostle, the high priest, was more faithful because it is his house. It's a difference between the master of the house and the servant of the house. Drop down to verse 6. Look at verse 6 of our text. It says, but Christ as the son over his own house, whose house we are. It's talking about all Jews and Gentiles. So Christ is more faithful over his own house, over his church, over you and I. Is not Christ faithful to us? He's, is he not faithful to us? Even as a local church, Calvary Chapel of Milford, God has been faithful. God has been with us. And I've seen it from the very beginning. And why does he provide? Why does he bring us together? Why does he cause us to grow? Because he builds the house. He said, I would build a church in the gates of hell and not provide. Not Pastor Eddie. Not the leadership. Not the board. Not the congregation. God builds the house. Verse 3. The writer of Hebrew writes this, For this one, speaking of Jesus, have been counted worthy and more glory than Moses. At this point, just picture the first readers of the book of Hebrews. Jews, more glory than Moses. Oy vey, really? Bite your tongue. Yes, Moses. You know how some people have so much respect to the point where they worship somebody? You know, if somebody says something about when I, 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 Grew up listening, watching Billy Graham. That was when I was a kid. And I was, you know, don't be talking about Billy Graham, you know. And then my grandma, she was Catholic. <gasps> don't say anything about the Pope. <laughs> Look, Billy Graham and the Pope are man just like us. They wear pants. Hopefully, they do one leg at a time. They're not better than anybody. They're not, and that's the problem. Where they got all this glory and they worship like Christ, taking the place of God. But here, the, Mo- the, the Jews would think of that. Moses? Oh, no way. Moses? Yes. Jesus is better than Moses. Moses had glory and honor, but nothing compared to the one who gives glory and receives and deserves all glory, honor, power, and praise. And that's Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he, that's God, who builds the house has more honor than the house. The builder of a house had more honor than the house itself. You know, we look at a structure, but there's a lot that goes into a structure when you look at a, a house, a building, even a shed. <laughs> I can't build a shed. I can't build a house. If I build a house, I would not trust enough to put my family in it. But I, you know, just think about the blueprint and all that goes into building the house. As a matter of fact, just right now, right across from my property, they're building the house. And I'm just amazed at how they break ground. You know, the noise, eh, it's, it's only for a season, but I'm happy and I'm getting neighbors. You know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching them build the house. You know, I'm, and I'm going to just get a chair and just sit in my driveway and just watch them and just, you know, have a cup of coffee and just look at them work and sweat hard. And look at who's this short guy just sitting down there watching. Does he have a life? Well, I, I don't have the time for that. But I'm going to be amazed just to watch how these guys or will just put this thing together. And, you know, all their tools and the knowledge and wisdom they have of building homes and go back in their truck. There's a lot of respect for people like that. In the same way, you know, 
A lot of architects go to Chicago because of the structure and the skyscrapers, just like in New York. You know, we look at it, we admire, but wow, the ingenuity, the, the, the intelligence behind it, of course, is not one person. It takes multiple people with gifts to put that. So you give credit to that. Wow, how did you come up with something like that? But we look at this world. We look at the universe. Quite often, you know, you find in, in, in Romans chapter 1 where the man is now worshiping the creation rather than the creator. I'm so amazed at what God has done. I look around and say, man, God is awesome. God is good. You never get tired of looking at nature. God builds it. But he gets the glory. He gets the honor. You know, not the little insect between the grass or the eagle. It's beautiful, flies above the tree. No, God gets the glory. He gets the glory. So Christ was the builder of the house of God. That's what he's pointing here. Moses was only a part of the house. So you see the comparisons? Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. Verse 4, let's look at verse 4. For every house is built by someone. We know that. It's built by someone. Now, in the book of Exodus, we find that uh, Moses, you know, most likely was a builder because the Lord gave him instruction on how to build the temple, the tabernacle. And we find that in Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, the Lord said to Moses, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I will show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, everything, just so you shall make it. So everything, even the furnishing, the veil, everything, the eagles, the cherubims were woven into the, the veil why? God was giving them a picture of what heaven is like. It's just a model from the real thing. It's a model of the real thing. Because one day we will be in the Holy of Holies in heaven with God forever and ever. And so that is just a picture. And later on, we're going to find the, the writer of Hebrews points that out. He's going to point that out. It's only a picture. It's only temporary. And so... He says in verse 4, he says, For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. He built everything, everything. I mean, there was a joke, I hope I don't mess it up, probably corny anyway, where an atheist wanted to challenge God in creation. And he said, well, I can make man just like you, God. I said, okay, go, okay, go ahead. Okay, so the atheist started to gather up some dirt, and God said, hold up, that's my dirt, use your own. Okay. All right. Delivered it. Okay. <laughs> God created all things. All things God created. Uh, we see that in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. John writes this in the gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. The God that is speaking of here is Jesus Christ God. Because God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit. It is God, Jesus Christ God, who created all things. We saw that in the verses we just read. So now... 
in verse 3 and 4, verse 3 and 4, the writer made it clear that Jesus is greater, better than Moses in his accomplishments, okay? Now in verses 5 and 6, the writer is going to point out that Jesus is greater than Moses in position, in position. Let's look at verse 5. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, a servant. This word servant here is only mentioned here. In the Greek, it's not like doulos or as a bond servant. This is a servant who uh, submit to, uh, not submit, sorry, who committed to his service to the house. And Moses committed to that service in the house of God. He says at the end of verse 5, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. It's a testimony of things that will be spoken afterwards. What does he mean by that? So this is a shadow of things to come. Remember, when they build the tabernacle, it's to give a picture of what would be in heaven. Okay? Even the Holy of Holies. What's going to be in heaven? The only difference between the Holy of Holies, not only that the earthly Holy of Holies was made by man, and it's, it's earthly and it's small, but the thing is that when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he always had to work. He always had to work on behalf of the people. But Jesus Christ is in the Holy of Holies in heaven, and he is seated. There wasn't a seat, a chair in the Holy of Holies, because the priest couldn't sit down. He had to work. But Jesus did the work of the cross. He's in the Holy of Holies, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's what makes everything different from the earthly tabernacle and the heavenly tabernacle. But all this points to the things afterwards. Everything in the Old Testament, when we picture of the sacrifice of the Passover of the Lamb of God, you think that God just told the nation of Israel, hey, on the Passover, I want you to sacrifice the Lamb, put blood on the doorpost, just for that one time. No, it was a picture of the ultimate Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would die for the sins of the world. And just as they put blood on the doorpost of their door so death would pass them, so too, through Christ, through his blood, we put the blood on the doorpost of your heart, if you will, that now through Christ we have eternal life. It's all of a picture of, it's a shadow of things to come. And this is what Paul wrote to the church of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He writes this, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. You know, we, some people get all caught up in the legalism of these rituals that were only a shadow. That's what he writes here in verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is Christ. It's Christ. People put too much emphasis on, oh, you shouldn't eat this. Oh, you got to do it. Oh, this is the Sabbath. The Sabbath for me is every day. Every day. It was the Old Testament, you know, a day of rest. Now, it's good. It's healthy for you to have a rest. It's healthy. But I rest every day because I rest in Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, with that said, we don't look at the shadow we look at the substance. For example, if I've been away from home for like three months, and Judy probably be happy, but when I come back, I'm pretty sure she's going to do the right thing, greet me, right? <laughs> but anyway, if I come back and I open the door and say like Ricky Ricardo, Lucy, I'm home, Judy, I'm home, right? And this light, the sunlight is just pat right behind me, and boom, there goes my shadow on the floor. After not seeing me for three months, you think Judy's going to hug the floor, the shadow? No, she's going to hug me, hopefully. (laughs) 
So that is the same picture. All those things that we see are shadows to things, for things to come. That's why he says, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterwards. It all points and speaks of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 6. But Christ, as son over his own house, his own house, Moses is a servant in the house of God, but Jesus is the son over his own house. He's a servant in God's house. So Jesus built the house. Jesus is over the house. Jesus is the owner of the house. Now in those days, they totally understand this because in ancient times, it was very common to have a servant. They were called slaves in those days. We don't use the way they use slaves in those days. It wasn't so much as we would use today. We call them employees. Okay. Uh, but they were slaves. They met over 60 million slaves during the time of Rome. And it was very common to have servant slaves. Uh, they were even doctors considered servant slaves, accounted servant slaves for their master. And now the Jews that are reading this have an understanding of this servant and this slave concept. But they know that once they visit a home, they visit a home and they are greeted by the servant. But it's a servant to the master. You never, ever compare the master with the servant when you go in the house. You don't say, thank you, servant, for inviting me. <laughs> and me, you want to turn your back on the master. You never would do that, right? You know, but they will serve you. And, you know, but the honor belongs to who? The master of the house. He was the one that owns the house. He was the one that invited you to his house. He was the one that's serving you feeding you, welcoming you, giving you hospitality. And the servant is just there to serve. So that's the picture the writer of Hebrews is trying to give here. Yes, Moses is the great grand poobah for you guys, but Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 16, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is set greater than he who sent him. And so that's the picture even Jesus gives us. No servant is greater than his master. The servant will get his due reward and Moses will get his reward for all that he has done in the name of God, for God. And he's going to get his reward. But the glory and honor goes to the master of the house. And in the house of God, the glory and honor goes to Jesus Christ. Verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, who house we are. Now here, we could actually see ourselves here. We, you and I, we are of this house. We are of this house. In verses 2 to 6, in verses 2 to 6, probably will notice it, but the word house is mentioned seven times. Seven times. Whose house? Who is the house? You are the house. I'm the house. We're the house of God. You know, quite often we always put the emphasis on the structure, even when we get to heaven. It's not so much heaven, it's so much Christ and the bride. That's what it's all about. When God created the garden for Adam and Eve, it wasn't about the garden, it was about Adam and Eve. It's all about God and his people. We are the house of God. We are the people of God. Moses ministered in the house of Israel. Moses ministered uh, the house of Israel, the people of God under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Today, Jesus ministered to his own house, the church, the bride of Christ under the new covenant through his blood. And that, that's the picture. All that was a shadow of things to come. We are the house of Christ. And you know, God, Christ owns us. If we're in his house, he owns us, right? Everything in your house 
I hope you own everything in your house <laughs> and then nothing stolen. That's okay. I hope you, at your furniture, you own it. Everything is yours. In the same way that everything in the house of God belongs to him. We belong to God. We are owned by God. You know, that means, you know, the word, just the fact that, you know, somebody owns you. And it's, it's natural, of course. I would feel uncomfortable. But the fact that Christ owns me, I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. He purchased us with his precious blood. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? When you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. Your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be careful how we live our lives, what we think, what we do, how we offend God. We need to be careful with that. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong. We're part of the house of God. We belong to him. And I I like the house of God. That's the best house I could be in. Psalms 24, verse 1. The psalmist write this. The earth is the Lord's and all is fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. We belong to him. Obviously, there are people who don't belong to him. There's no between ground. You either accept Jesus Christ, be born again, or you're not. There's no between ground. I remember this little track when I was in, growing up in church. It was a little card, very simple. It says, try Jesus. If you don't like him, the devil will always take you back. <laughs> it's true. It's true, but it's to the point. <laughs> So at the end of verse 6, it says, if, notice the if, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So, but, verse 6, but Christ as son over his own house, which house we are, if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, to the end. There's an if. So what's the opposite of that? If you don't, then you're not. Very simple. Some people think they can get away. No, well, no, that's just the Bible. No, well, you know, he's going to let me in because I know him. You know, I got a card, you know, pass, go, collect $200. I go to heaven with that one. Get out of jail, free card. The Bible doesn't make empty threats. God doesn't make empty threats. So the writer's not saying that that if we work as to work for salvation, no, we're already saved. He's talking about how we live. If, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So if we, we keep our courage and remain confident in the hope of you, then we are his house. Just as furniture can be removed from the house, just as family and kids leave the house, so too you could. Stay in the house of God. You belong in the house of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. 
Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.